Hello and welcome to Breakthrough Business Podcast. My name is Joe. And I'm Eric. And I'm Christian. And the three of us are the co-founders of the Breakthrough Business Academy. And on this Breakthrough Business Podcast, we're going to teach you the new fundamentals of business. Old advice just doesn't work it anymore. The landscape is changing so fast. So we're going to teach you guys what we're doing on a daily basis to implement in our business. And not only that, we're going to bring the best industry experts to you in order for you to be more, create more, and have more. Perfect. All right. Hello and welcome to another wonderful podcast, another wonderful guest that we have, Michael and Martin and Chef. Tell us, the listeners, what we've got in store for them tonight, episode two. Yeah. Good afternoon all to the our podcast listeners. We appreciate you guys being part of our nation here. Uh, from the last podcast we did with Martin and Michael, we had a huge um, influx of questions. They wanted to know more about what they do. And so today we're going to dive a little bit deeper. What made Martin who he is today, why he started that company. And then we have a little bit of Q&A what we feel why this is important for our industry. So with that, I want to say welcome to Martin and Michael. We're happy to have you. And welcome. thanks for being part of, of our podcast. So with that... Just for the new listeners, if anybody hasn't listened to the first episode, Martin, tell us a little bit who you are and, and what is the organization you have created. So I'm uh, Martin Stanforce, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of a new technology, emerging technology food safety uh, company. And we provide food safety as a software, as a service, where we make sure that food safety is monitored in an easy way and that we can reduce foodborne illnesses, make sure that people eat safe and have confidence in the restaurants and make it fun for the people working in a restaurant. And just as an example, to compare with a old outdated analog system, um, we measure temperatures in different kind of equipment 1500 times a day instead of three times a day, which is the normal standard. And then we analyze all that and we tell you how safe your food is. So you will get the food safeness score that is telling you what's going on. So that's what we're focusing on, trying to minimize uh, or reduce foodborne illness worldwide with 50% in the next 10 years. That, that, that's amazing. And, and, and you are a good looking guy. How do you get into food safety versus being a model or something like that? Like I said, you're an handsome man. <laughs> why why food safety? Now, now I'm blushing here. So... Uh, <laughs> I was born and raised in, in Sweden, in southern Sweden, where food is a huge part of the culture. Uh, also lived in, in Italy and Switzerland, where food is also a big part of the, the culture. And in my career then, I worked in a bakery and then I did my military service. And in the military service, I was part of the, the Swedish Navy SEALs and I became a quartermaster. So uh, as a quartermaster, you have to take care of all the cooking and food. Uh, for all the, the troops that are out there. So I managed a team of two, 300 chefs and, and people in the kitchen cooking and making sure that we could distribute food to all the different places that was necessary. 
And uh, then after that, I, I went into the university and did my master's of science in engineering. Super tired of school, I must admit. And I started an aviation catering company in, in Stockholm uh, together with some friends and ran that for a couple of years before I exited. And uh, that was quite an amazing experience. And that pretty much kicked off my, my global food service facilities management service career, working for some of the largest uh, food service and facilities management company in the world, having taken care of clients like Amazon, HP, uh, and other large ones. So that's how I got into this. But then I realized that there's more that can be done here. <laughs> I, I love that background. So at what point did you feel you needed to go into that industry? So for our listeners, what was the tipping point? Yeah. Where do you said, you know what, I, I need to do this. If I'm not doing it, nobody's going to do it. I want to make an impact. What was that tipping point for you to make that decision to go all in? It's kind of two steps, right? Because I started working for a large global food service company and we could afford paying six, $7 million a year to different kind of consultants that came in and helped us. And then a second step was that I parted ways with this company and I realized that, you know, small restaurants or restaurant chains with five to 10 restaurants, they don't have this opportunity and they struggle more with compliance, food safety compliance than the large ones because they don't have the resources. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why don't I take my knowledge and share that in a very simple way and cheap way with the people that are not as privileged as the huge uh, global food service providers? That's amazing. I'm super fascinated by that. So doing this, you could have gone a different route where you create the product, what you currently do, you let somebody license it and you could could get money coming in. What was really the idea? Why did you want to do it on your own? And why did you want to create that business? Sorry, I don't know if you hear me. I got problems here. With, yes, uh, we can hear you. Yeah, we can hear you. We have a sound system here. Yeah, you're good. good. Keep talking. Let me see here. Oh, I don't. There we are. Now I hear you again. I don't know. All of a sudden, okay. it switched to something. Yeah, so do, do, not, do not worry about it. So I love that story. And I said you could have had gone two different ways. Uh, create the product, go out and sell it to somebody or license it to somebody. Right. Uh, how did you come up the idea and, and, and saying, hey, no, no, I need to do this. I want to do this on my own. Why, why did you or how did you come up with that? So, you know, I'm very passionate about this. And I think my why in life is that I need to help people. I have this urge that I need to help and, and provide and share if I have any knowledge. And by no means am I considering myself, you know, the expert knowing everything. Mm -hmm. But I think I've gained a, a fair share of expertise that other people may not have. And I think it would be wrong for me not to share that. Plus that I yeah. like impact and I like... Uh, this sounds wrong, perhaps, but I like when you disrupt old things that we are doing just because of it, it being a habit and not uh, because it needs to be disrupted and changed and reinvented to actually make an impact. So uh, I figured out how we can use emerging technology and think about mm -hmm. human-centered processes to drive, to drive this change. That's extremely noble. Absolutely. And we have a lot of our listeners which have an idea. They want to start something, um, but for some reason, they never get it off the ground. 
So how did you how did you launch it? Not knowing anything about that industry, getting into this and and building a very successful business, being on the top of the the, the food chain from from a innovation perspective. How how does somebody go about in launching something like that? Um, you know, it, it, there are a couple of ways of doing it, but you have to believe in yourself. You have yep. to believe in your product. Um, I was a lot to contribute with. You're your yep. worst enemy. So you have to mm -hmm. go out there and believe in what you're doing. I was uh, put down by many people saying that, you know, food safety is not sexy. You shouldn't do this. There is no money in it. And I tried to explain, I'm not doing this to become the next YouTube and become a billionaire. I'm, I'm doing this because I believe in making an impact and trying to make this a better better world. And I know that sounds like a cliche, but mm -hmm. uh, then I had a lot of people that really believed in what we were doing and stood behind us and supported us and pushed us forward. Um, and that was very, very good for us because it took a couple of years for us to develop, test and fine tune the product before we could come out with our first uh, you know, minimum viable product that you always are a little bit embarrassed about. Uh, if you wait for too long to start up something or launch something, uh, it, it's not good. You have to be a tiny bit embarrassed. Otherwise, mm -hmm. you have waited for too long and somebody else has done it. So it, it's the main thing is believe in yourself, listen to people around you, find experts. There are so many people out there that would love to help and, and have knowledge to help and find the right ones to help you. That's um, my advice. I love that. But a lot of people have access to a lot of good people around them, which want them to succeed. So for you, I love that story, you know, how you gotten into you married to somebody who can do that. But, you know, there's still obstacles are coming up. So if obstacles coming up, what were one, two, maybe three obstacles where you said, oh, my God, I'm not really sure this is the right thing for me to do. Or where you had to kind of take a step back and saying, hey, I need to learn that new skill, that new tactic, that new um, thing out there for me to drive this thing forward. We know our listeners, you know, they're starting businesses and the first sign of of pushback or obstacles you know, some of them shut down and walk away and they just feel like, hey, this wasn't meant for me. Yeah. How do you work through that? What are some of the obstacles you had to overcome and how did you do that? So I had, um, after my, my uh, aviation catering company in, in Stockholm and moved on from that, uh, I have worked in the global corporate world in, in very nice positions. And mm -hmm. you get very fast used to safe, safe in quotation mark income, yeah. right. a nice with a lot of benefits and, and uh, perks. It's very hard to let go of that because you have built your life around that. You have bought a home, you have cars, you have kids in schools and all that. You travel all of a sudden when you are in my age, it, like I was 51 or 50 when I started this, you are in, in a position where some people say work five, 10 years more and mm -hmm. you retire. And all of a sudden, I threw everything out the door and say, nope, I'm going to test this. So the <laughs> first big hurdle that made me lose sleep and, and sweat was uh, to let go of that safe income. Yeah. And yeah. instead of going back into the corporate world, I decided, now if I don't try to become an entrepreneur now, it will never happen. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. The second one was that not second guess yourself. Uh, we are so good in this society modern society to second guess everything we do because social media and everybody is mm -hmm. second guessing us or questioning us for what we're doing. 
Yeah. So if you have something that you know is good, believe in your vision and move forward. And I had a challenge in the beginning believing in it because, like I said earlier, there were a lot of people that tried to say that ah, it's not worth it. You're taking a big risk. Mm -hmm. uh, but I had also good people that stood behind and said that you have to believe in it. And when I met um, Sir Richard Branson here earlier this year, he said exactly the same thing. He said, believe in yourself, believe in your vision. Don't let others push you down. Uh, move mm -hmm. forward and you will find out if it works. But you are the one that is deciding if you should continue or you sh if you should stop. And then the, the last one, which was a big challenge for me, that was after having worked 25 years in the global corporate world, I, of course, had built up a lot of behaviors and routines that were based on having all the support functions and, and kind of a mm -hmm. culture that the global corporate world comes with. And for me to unlearn those behaviors, especially the waterfall where orders are coming from top down and very seldom we question why those orders are coming, we just uh, execute them. I now had to figure out, okay, how can we build a very flat organization and make sure that everybody is um, aware of what's going on and can help and put in their value. And once again, I refer to my wife who as a PhD in organizational management, where I tapped in many, many times to figure out how do we do this the best mm -hmm. way to, to build an organization where it's not me sitting on the top giving directions and orders and expecting that we have three secretaries that can do stuff, but um, jump straight into it and take it for what it is. So we have, for instance, our customer care pro program when we get the call or something, uh, whoever is the first one to answer, answer. It doesn't matter if it's mm -hmm. me or if it is our virtual assistant that gets it. So I have talked to many different people around the world telling them how the tool works and how they log in and I have reset passwords and stuff. Because if you don't do that, you lose touch with what you're doing and why you're doing it and you don't get the feedback firsthand. So unlearning that corporate behavior and understanding that there's a new kind of agile movement out there uh, where you build everything in sprints yeah. and you work together and you have a flat organization that that I, I I was beaten up by myself many times for not being able to unlearn that old behavior I, I love that and I, I appreciate you, you sharing as honestly as you do and we all have naysayers in, in our life. And you know what? Sometimes are the people which are the closest to you and unintentionally because they don't have the same drive we do. They don't have the same ambitions as we do. And yeah. they, they could be sincere, but they just, you know, it comes out, you know, in a negative way. So what do you think is that mindset or what is what makes you different to do that? How do you overcome that? So what, what is a skill or something where you think, hey, um, some other people probably would have given up. Some people said, you know what, I'm better suited for that corporate life. Um, what, what do you think was that one thing which kept you going? So I think in my case, I came from an entrepreneurial family background mm -hmm. back home in Sweden, where I think every single aunt and uncle and grandparent is an entrepreneur. So I kind of grew up in that environment, but also I had great support from a lot of people uh, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm very ambitious yeah. um, and I want to make a change. Um, I, I cannot see other people suffer. Uh, it breaks my heart to see if I can do something and, and I see other people, they, they take out their camera to film it instead of running up, helping people. So I think yeah. 
you have to have a mindset mm -hmm. that you want to help. You want to do something different. You want to make an impact. But also, I think you have to be brave. You have mm -hmm. to be very brave uh, to step out of your comfort zone. Be uh, okay with that people may laugh at you or think that you're different. And, and take that more as a, uh, a positive than a negative. And, mm -hmm. and as I alluded to before, um, there, there are a lot of vultures out there, if we can call them that, in the startup world that want to kind of hover over you to see how things are going or leech onto you to see if they can get something out of you uh, in your success and they pretend to be your best friend. You have to be very clear in your mind where you put your trust, who you trust, and when you trust somebody and you have gone through your own gut feeling better that trust them 100%. Go for it and believe that they have your success as their target as well. And, and letting go, I think that's a big thing in, in our world that is sometimes very hard to let go. Yep. And absolutely, I have burnt my fingers. I have been disappointed. I have cursed myself for believing in people. But there are a few people like you have Michael here and the rest of the team. And then we have some advisors around, around us that, uh, you know, you, you give them your wallet. And when you get the wallet back, it actually has more money in it than less money. Mm -hmm. and, and they would fly anywhere around the world to help you if they had to. Those are the people that you need to surround yourself yep. with and trust your instinct that you have those people. I, I absolutely love that. I'm a big believer that everybody needs somebody around them which sees in you, in you what you can see within yourself. And it sounds like you had that. That's pretty amazing. So all of the things you have done, would you have done anything different to get that company off the ground? What would have been one or two things that said, shit, I should have done this differently. Or if I would have done this, I would have had a different outcome. What are some of the things, if you were to have the opportunity to do it over again, you would do different? I think the, um, the timing was right for me. A lot of people say, oh, I should have done it earlier. I think mm -hmm. the timing was right for me because I, at that point, had all the information and, and knowledge that I needed and the network. Uh, what I would have done differently, I would have been more more brave, like I mentioned before. That was my, one of my advice, what one should do. I was not brave, in, brave enough. I was a little bit embarrassed. I went to some of the startup universities and talked to people and pitched my, my presentation. And I always came in as an underdog. And the only person that made me an underdog was myself. Wow. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would have worked on being more brave and proud of what I was doing um, and push that out. I would also have, what I would have done differently as well was I would have seeked out a few people that could have helped me from get-go, telling them the idea of what was going on, get them on board to help me or advise me. It took yep. me three or four or five months before I started to reach out and ask for people uh, and my wife had a network with people that came in. If I had been able to redo it today, when I started, you know, drawing everything on, on this famous napkin that we all hear about startups <laughs> are drawn on napkins, I would have surrounded my, me with some of the advisors that I have today at an earlier stage. I, I absolutely love that. And uh, I appreciate you sharing that because this is one of the messages Joe and I have to our listeners all the time. You got to surround yourself with people which lift you up, not tear you down. And then also, you know, do it. And sometimes having it done messy is better than not doing it at all. And for yeah. me, 
you know, I, I admire that learner's mindset within you to, to kind of get this going. So that, that's absolutely fascinating. So I'm, I'm, let's shift gears a little bit. Growth wise, what's in the cards for, for your company? What are some of the growth metrics you measuring yourself on? What's next for Martin? So, so we of course take pride in being recognized, right? So we were awarded, uh, one of the top 10 food service ma- management companies in 2021, a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, which is- Congratulations. A, thank yeah, you. That's awesome. Uh, that's a little bit of an Olympic gold medal for us, of course. <laughs> um, so the other metrics that we look at when we talk to clients is cost reduction. So up to date, if we calculate uh, the services that we provide, we have helped our clients uh, refocus about 55,000 work hours by using our automated system instead of using paper and pen. We look at food waste reduction. So anytime we prevent a fridge from going down or a customer to lose food, we reduce right. the food waste in, in the world. And I don't know if you saw that every day, there was an article that 40% of all food that is bought mm-hmm. by the households in North America is thrown away. Wow. And that's just a human disgrace, I think. Yep. So, so far, we, we, according to our estimation, estimations and feedback from our clients, we have saved uh, about $2.3 million worth of food from being spoiled. That's amazing. Wow, and, and, that's fantastic. And, yeah, we, we're very proud of that. When it comes to reduction of compliance fines, we know that a lot of companies or restaurants are out there and either they don't have the resources to uh, be compliant or they don't understand how to do it. Uh, our clients, none of them have received any fines after they uh, started to use us. And we have a couple of amazing stories where a uh, food inspector has come in, found something that he doesn't like, and then the client shows our system why there was a, an odd change that day. Uh, and they have taken back saying, that, no, wow, you have an amazing system. We're not going to give you a mm-hmm. fine. And then, of course, the big one is risk reduction. Um, and based on the food safeness score, we believe that we have uh, kind of avoided, help our clients avoid about three and a half thousand uh, food safety incidents. Wow. And we also work with workplace safety. And there we have reduced about uh, or avoid, help clients avoid about 400, 450 workplace safety incidents by using our system for auditing and processes and training. And, and, um, Another piece where we're now growing quite drastically in is uh, maintenance. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of our clients have realized that by using our technology, they can see how their refrigeration equipment is actually functioning. So they can tell if it's about to go out or if there's a bigger problem than just the door being open. So they're using our system now. And as a matter of fact, in a week and a half, we go down to a, a used casino in Southern California that we have worked with for two years to actually train their maintenance staff how to use our system uh, to help the kitchen operations to have more uptime of all their equipment and reduce um, energy costs because equipment is running too cold or it's leaking. So a lot of side benefits out of this that we didn't really think about from the beginning that we, but we have learned it now from the, from the clients that are coming back to us and say, wow, do you know how much we saved on on you helping us with that piece of equipment. That's, that's amazing. I, I absolutely love that. And 
for our listeners out there, if you're into cost savings and all of the benefits he just outlined, guys, you got to check out in the description how you get a hold of Martin. How do you get a hold of Michael? You got to do that today. Michael, you also said you wanted to have some questions of us. So let's switch gears a little bit. And you said you have some questions for us. So what are two questions we can answer for you? So, well, I was thinking about how to start this off. And and just given both of your experiences in chefs and in food service, and and Martin just kind of listing out the benefits, um, you know, what what have we missed? What what do you guys see if you had this system ten years ago when you're running operations and you know hell of big or head of big culinary staffs? What would this? Have, what difference would this system have made? <laughs> Joe, Joe, do you want to go first? You know, um, labor. Absolutely, it, it's the labor because as a as an executive chef, we're running crews. And when our time is taking away from what we are supposed to be doing, okay, yes, food safety is number one. But what you have done is you've shrank that down to almost uh, the reports are made for you. We would sit there and we would try to analog, you know, go around to each um, refrigerator, take the temperatures, check out the ovens, look at the back of the fans so on and so forth. Do you know, do you know what kind of time that was taken away from us as, mm-hmm. as chefs so we could better concentrate on our clients? I mean, that alone is, is just gold right there. Absolutely, Joe. I absolutely love that. And for me, I think, you know, I totally echo what Joe just said. And he's the operational genius. So he he can tell you about it. You know, owning a business for 30 plus years, he knows exactly what he's talking about. For me, from a corporate setting, you know, I spent the last 15 years in, in corporate positions. What's the peace of mind? I think knowing that I have somebody who's looking out for me, uh, I think that would have been the biggest benefit for me. Some of my locations carried hundred plus thousand dollars of inventory, and you know the fear that that something could go wrong, a fluctuation go down, and and people not being able to provide the level of service we commit to our clients was my biggest headache. And then also for me, you know, taking that if you take that burden off the shoulders of the the executive chefs, which, um, you know, performing at a very high level, having somebody like you with them, which is a partner. My chefs always felt they, around food safety, they were on their own. There was nobody there which helping him out. If there was something wrong, you know what? It's your fault. You didn't do it. You didn't look ahead of that. And having a partner on this, uh, somebody which you, you are, you're not just a service provider. In my opinion, you are a strategic partner of that. Right. Having somebody like this behind you, um, I think would have been uh, the, the greatest gift for me. It, your company gives us confidence. Absolutely. And when we have confidence, we perform at a higher level. Yeah. You and know? it's not like and- Joel, Joel needs it. Look with that perfect hair. He doesn't need confidence. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, tagging on to that, what's coming around, at least uh, where we live, and is called rolling blackouts. And let me tell mm-hmm. you, as an entrepreneur, as a small business on, on running our operation, when they do a rolling blackout and they say it's about midnight, a rolling blackout will happen. Okay, we love our crew. Our crew is very dedicated, but there's nobody else dedicated as, as such as the owner. We would literally, because unfortunately, we won't trust the news. So where are we at 1230 at night? 
going mm-hmm. down to our, ch- our kitchen, checking to make sure that that rolling blackout didn't come through with us. And uh, north of us, we have uh, fires. Okay, same situation. Uh, the I'll even say it: the, our Pacific Gas and Electric would shut off because of the fires, because they're trying to make sure that the the um, the fires don't spread, things explode, et cetera, et cetera. Do you know the stress? And then we're up half the night wondering whether our our units are working or not, and what you're bringing to the table is just gold. Is absolute gold. And I would have a few less gray hairs. And I, I want to say that that, you know, that's that that's looking good, but I would have a few less gray hairs if when we have units like yours uh put into to to our kitchens. That's awesome. Thanks, guys. I you know, I to add to that, I mean, I know that you guys must have some incredible stories maybe some of those gray hairs are just from a one day <laughs> one weekend incident you know and i just think it would be very you know entertaining but also relevant you know if you did have a system that could alert you you know as something was going down or if the electricity had turned off you know maybe you could give us one story it might be a little comedic it might be you know a little anxiety ridden but maybe each of you can share you know one anecdote where you know if you had a predictive alert that would have made a big difference and and what kind of difference that could have made I'll let Christian go first, and then I'll tag on since right. I went first. I'm very excited I, I, for this question. I, I, <laughs> oh, man. I, I think my my biggest story is, and it it's an unintentional story. Um, I bribed myself on that our facilities were always very clean. We encouraged our clients to come into the kitchen, look into the freezers, look into the, the walk-ins. So one of the things we ask uh, um, our staff to do when you grab something, make sure you put it back, uh, back properly, label over label, make sure it always looks pristine at all time. And, you know, sometimes people just get busy and they don't want to put on the coat to go into the freezer. So they turn off. Uh, the fan system. So it's easy for them to go and do what they need to do. And, you know, things happen, they get busy. Sometimes they forget to close the door. Sometimes they forget to turn the the freezer back on. And then the next morning you come in and you get, hey, chef, uh, the freezer is at 56 degrees. Why is the freezer 60? (laughs) Oh, somebody shut it off. So it happens all the time and it happens so often. And we managed, you know, a few hundred locations. So we had, you know, 12, 1500 freezer units happens every single day. I think if I would have had a system which had said, hey, the door is open for a minute or whatever it is and go out there and take care of it. Uh, I think we would have saved our clients millions of dollars not yep. having to throw food out. It's our responsibility to keep our clients and, and their clients safe so we wouldn't mess with that food. If that situation or that walk-in is at, at 56 degrees, we discard all the food. Uh, I think that your system would have paid for itself 10, 20 times over and our clients on top of it would have saved a lot of money. Thanks, Chef. I uh, I've got a uh, it wasn't a it was a blackout situation, and we were at a, a major hotel, and we were doing three banquets. Each banquet room held ten thousand people, so we were in the area of twenty-seven to thirty thousand simultaneous three banquets, and the reefers go out. Not only did our hotel go out, the whole town went out. And when that happened, 
we were thinking it would go back on. They forgot about the smaller refrigerators. We went out to try to go get ice so we could pack it. There wasn't enough ice. And if there was anything that we could have foreseen in that, well, the story goes on even further because once it, it surged up, what happens to power when it surges? It blows up things. So everybody thinks it's honky-dory the day after when it's doing to find out in a place that big, you're talking dozens of walk-ins mm -hmm. and, and reach-ins. And they were bypassed because they weren't checked, thinking, oh, the electricity's on, we're mm -hmm. good to go. And then as they were starting to open, as the day wore on, they were just so excited. They were up and running. They had guests in the in the th uh, dining room with lights on it. They weren't looking at the temperatures. Right. And gradually going down, going down, going down. And we're talking, you know, three dozen units in one on one floor. Right. So. So, yeah, that to me, I'll never not relive those few days. Uh, so if they had a unit, they had units like yours, they would have been right on the money. In fact, they wouldn't have had to do it. They could have been exactly doing what they were doing, not paying attention. And your units actually help us go, hey, guess what? And that's what we need. As Chef just said, we don't have enough support systems. Now we do. Now we have the best partner in the world looking over, literally looking over our shoulders. Yeah. Can I add some? Can I add something? Please. To that? Yes, I think there's mm -hmm. a very good message in this. And I think if you don't have a system that can tell you what's going on, the natural is that you run to the fridge or freezer, you're open to see what's going on. And if you have a power outage, the last thing you should do is to open a fridge or freezer. You keep like, it closed because you can keep food in there for two to four hours without power if you don't open the doors. But if you don't have a system that can measure and tell you what's going on, it's so easy to run there, open the doors, and all of a sudden you have reduced that to 30 minutes. And we know after 30, 40 minutes, bacteria growth has started mm -hmm. and, and you have to toss the food away. But again, that the, the big no-brainer was when... It, Everything came back on, things surge, and they assume there's not a lot of lights on a region that, no. that are doing it. Yes, there's that little dot on a walk-in, but they're going like gangbusters because they were shut down. Yeah. And again, uh, to your point, absolutely. So. Hey, guys, I just have one, I just have one more question, and, you know, sure. I, I really appreciate you guys sharing all your experiences, and it's great. And, and this kind of just ties really well. Um, with how that just finished and Martin and Martin responding, what is it like to encounter a startup that that may have the impact Fenium has, but then to meet, you know, who the founder is and realize that someone like Martin with a similar level of experience, which is what does that do to the credibility and you feeling like you have that support, not just a unit looking out for you, but someone with that uh, amount of experience at the helm of this. Joey, you want to Go take ahead. that first? Go ahead. Oh, absolutely. Again, it's big brother looking over the shoulder. When you had said it earlier, what gave you uh, uh, the drive for, your, for opening this? When you have confidence, it's the confidence level and it's food safety is number one in mm -hmm. the kitchen, okay? We have to look out of our employees. 
I eat in the same kitchen my clients do. So if it's not good enough for me, it's not good enough for them. Okay. And since I eat there, I don't want to get sick either. So, so there's no way in heck that food service or food, excuse me, food safety doesn't go. It, it never leaves number one. It's always mm-hmm. there. It's always there. And so now that we have systems like this and our attention can be where it should be, again, on the client, knowing where it, it builds confidence. We know that we've got, we've got food safety with us. Then we can be real powerful for using our skill, our knowledge, and then presenting it to the public. How can you, how can you lose? It's a win-win. Our expertise and your expertise makes number one. It allows you to do your art, right? Mm-hmm. And that's Absolutely. Art, too, not just your skills. It's, that's what, you know, you guys love it. Yeah. And, and then as that. you can see, the passion flows over. Yes. And if the passion <laughs> flows over, there's no stopping us. Um, that, that, by the way, that's a really good question, Michael. So I, I think for me, that it's really three things. Number one, um, I think it's, our industry doesn't have a lot of innovation coming and actually having innovation coming from within, I think gives more credibility as we talked about it, knowing, you know, what, what Martin's background was and what he did. Um, I think it's, it's very comforting for us because we know there's somebody who actually knows what he's talking about. Yep. The second thing for me is, is, you know, the conversations we had with you, um, you know, emails back and forth, very seldom do you run into somebody who is genuinely interested in helping an industry move forward. For me, the first thing what I fell in love with Martin was, you know what? He talks his talk and he walks his his talk. Yep. And for me, is he said it a few times uh, just a few weeks ago and he said it today. And very seldom do I hear this from a CEO that it wasn't a monetary thing. I wanted to make an impact and I wanted to make things easier. And that's my final point. Um, nobody in the industry wants to have innovation, which adds more work. Uh, what US does, it, it doesn't. It, it, it gives you the insurance that this is being taken care of. It's less work for you. It's less work for your team. And that comes around very seldom. So for me, those are really the three biggest reasons why I think this is just a phenomenal product and why we have these conversations because very seldom you do you run across like somebody like Martin with the purest of intentions to just make the industry better. And I think we need more of that. If I could add on to that, um, it's basically your company cares more about our food safety than the operations Mm -hmm. itself in most cases. And when you have something at that level, that level of expertise, that level of passion, trying to give back into the community, mm-hmm. it says it all by itself. And, and, and he does. He has spent a lifetime now, and he is, you guys are on a journey making our lives better for us and caring more about us than we care about ourselves. Absolutely. Really well said, Joe. I love that. So for our listeners, I hope you took notes. For me, there's a few things what I absolutely love about this conversation. If you ever want to do start up a business, and I have my notes here and I'm looking at my notes, <laughs> I think what he just said to us is the really the, the, the six steps in, in having a successful business. Trust in your gut and follow up on it. I love what he said. 
imperfect is better than than perfect and just trust your guts timing is everything and you said it two times that timing is right trust your vision surround yourself with people which have the best interest in you which which want to have you succeed more than you want to do succeed for yourself and then keep that learner's mindset that's for me the big one we so often get caught up hey i used to do this this is my background and kind of get caught up in the things with the way we used to Starting a business and, and disrupt a business like you did takes a whole different mind shift. And I give you kudos on that. For me, this is the six steps on how to start any business. So if you guys want to partner with somebody like Martin, please go in the description of, of the call here. You will find how to get a hold of Michael, how to get a hold of, of Martin. And by the way, for me, I, I underlined it here three times, what Martin said, that he answered the phone. When was the last time you called one of your vendors and the CEO himself answered the phone? I'm serious yeah. about that. You need to look at that. And then for me, so the information is in, in the link. If you have any kind of problems with food safety, Michael needs to be on the number one calling list. Have him on speed dial. I encourage you to invite him over for lunch. It's the best lunch time you have ever spent. If you are like Joe and I, and you love saving money, you need to call Martin. And you need to call Martin right now to come out and take a look at your facility. We appreciate you guys being part of this podcast today. Any closing words from you, Martin? And uh, Thank you for having us here. It's just an amazing opportunity that we have out there and i think you said something that resonated very well with me it's that when you run a business when you run a, a kitchen and operation you are an artist and you want to focus on that and what we mm -hmm. want to do is we want to provide the peace of mind so you can focus on your core business we have your back we cover you in the rest yep. let us do worrying joe anything else from you Less gray hairs. I love it. <laughs> I mean, no, I just, I, go ahead. I just want to say thank you very much for your time. I know your time is very valuable. Uh, we are just uh, honored to have you on as our guest. I look forward to having more conversations because there's more information that you guys have that you want to spread around. And uh, we, would, we are very proud to have you on and uh, very proud to uh, spread the news. Proud to be on, guys. Thank Thanks you so much. We, we, we appreciate it. And again, to our listeners, if you want to have the best employee you ever have, you sign up for the system today. You need to sign up right now. And you know why? That system is the best employee because it will never ask for a day off. It will never give you a hard time. It will never ask for vacation days. It will never call out sick and it will never show up late. So you got to get to Binium and get them. I, come out and look at your facility today. We appreciate you guys being part of this podcast today and we look forward to having you on as guests again. Thanks, everybody. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Bye -bye. Thank you. Thank Bye -bye. you.